When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Two outstanding coaches on the show today. We've just had Graham Arnold here. Now we've got the uh, the coach who was uh, supposed to be coaching the Wooden Spooners last year and uh, no one gave him the script. He finished up Dalian Coach of the Year. They went from 15th to a prelim final, got robbed by the Eels with a forward pass and uh, is going beautifully again this year with a, with a great team. Todd Payton, good morning to you. Morning, fellas. How are we? Good. Well, have, you been, have you been running them up Castle Hill? <laughs> uh, we haven't done it. Um, since we come back after the Christmas break, but we managed to take them up there three times prior. So uh, they got their they got their fix, or we got our fix as coaches. <laughs> we've been we've been doing a series of what we think the priorities for each franchise might need to be um, at different stages. You know, pre-season, for example. I think you've got another year in your fitness department where you can flog them hard. I think they started to really enjoy it last year. And they felt the benefits, but you may have to change things up after another year of that. Yeah, quite possibly. Um, we've got a pretty young squad still. Um, you know, last year they proved to themselves that um, what we do at training really has a big bearing on how we play and how we perform. Yep. Um, so they really started to believe that. Um, this year, their attitude's been great again. Um, we've worked them really hard and still in a pretty heavy training phase at the moment, um, knowing that you know, trial match is only a couple of weeks away. So uh, from that point of view, yeah, I'd like to think we're in a, a, a strong position to be able to push them physically again for a little, little period yet before we taper off. So, but what do they say when you come in and say, oh, we've changed that up today, boys, we're going up Castle Hill? fantastic and and their response has been perfect foot footy teams down here are wilting in the heat how are your troops coping up there and and with the big fellas keeping weight on them yeah it's difficult hills um something we have to factor into our our week um you know our players have worked really hard on their recovery um hydration and their nutrition is a big part of that but there's no hiding from it um 
the temperature here can still be 27, 28 degrees overnight. As soon as the sun comes up, it, it, it strikes up to 30 pretty quickly, 33 consistently mm. each day. So we've got to be really organised on the pitch. Uh, we can't have any lag time between drills. Um, we make sure they get plenty of water into them. And, you know, if we're on the field for longer than an hour, 20, an hour and a half, you know, they turn into zombies and it helps it hurts them the next day or two. So uh, we're very mindful of it. Um, but, again, saying all that can be, you know, a bit of an advantage for us um, when teams come up to play us. So we've just got to be smart around it. Yeah. Hey, we had a, we've just had Graham Arnold on the tide. He's really interesting. Now, look, you know, you've got the likes of... Cotter and Griffin Neem and Nanai and Helam Lukey, all under the age of 24. He's saying as an elite coach, he said, these days with the younger players, you can't afford to be a dictator. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Um, I guess just the generation that comes through, they've got, they've got so much access to information, particularly through their phones. So they're always inquisitive and asking questions. So you've got to be well prepared when you're um, delivering a message. Um, you know, <laughs> you can't be put off by what kids wanting to know why they're doing things. So rationale and explaining why we're doing things is part of what we do at the moment. Um, if we come down too hard or, or put someone on show in front of the group, you, you tend to find that they don't handle that really well. And yeah. we just, you know, massage a message for each individual and the key to that is getting to know them over time and that's what we're at at the moment. Hey, just very quickly, mm. uh, what's the update on Helam Lukey and that knee? Yeah, mate, he's, he's training really well. Um, he, he and Mitch Dunn are on the same timeline. We're looking at round four, hopefully. Um, we're not in a rush for different reasons for both of them. Uh, Mitchy Dunn's had multiple knee, knee injuries, so... We're not rushing him back and healing with his age and, um, you know, our, our our hopes for him to be a long-term player for us. We're not going to rush him back. And they just, you know, they get themselves right. But they're, they're moving well. They're integrated back into the team sessions in skills. They're doing closed um, contact. Um, and we'll progress them over the weeks, coming weeks. And fingers crossed, round four. Yeah. Four at best. Yeah, yeah. Gilbert and the Hammer are big, big losses for you, but you, you have got enough depth to cover. You, other than that, you haven't got much to correct, have you? Were there certain weak points or soft points that you really want to drill into them this year, first up? Um, oh, I think we've got some improvements in us, definitely. Um, you know, we'd like some more push and energy around the ball when we've got it. Um, and then... You know, I think we can be nice. Oh, sorry, be we're too nice on the ground when we're when we're tackling. You know, we're we're a young team. We're very very literal when the refs are telling us to move, and um, we obey every word that comes out of their mouth too quickly. Uh, the more experienced guys will push the boundaries with the refs. So I think that's an area we can improve. Um, Hamaso and, and and Tommy Gilbert. You know, they're origin players, so it's really hard to um, replace what they've got. But we have, we've had minimal turnover at the moment, which is a, a good spot to be in. Uh, we've got some young kids pushing our senior guys hard every week. Mm. Um, and like I said, we're just, we're just at a spot where we're just working really hard and um, we've got a very capable team. We just need a, 
a good run with injury and um, you know continue the momentum that we've we've gained at the you know mid mid deployment to last year. So you know we're capable. Yeah. Hey, I, I can't let you go without asking. What sort of effect is it having on your playing group with this standoff over the CBA? Well, I haven't really noticed any. Um, uh, from from my point of view, I haven't given a lot of energy. To be fair, you know, our heads have been down, bums have been up, working hard. Um, it'll get sorted when it gets sorted. Um, but you know, from the playing group, you know, they've had a couple of meetings here at training. You know, without coaching staff, but it hasn't affected what they've done day to day. Fingers crossed, it'll get resolved soon. We can just move forward. Mm, they don't seem that hard to resolve to me, Todd. It's not about the the money. It might be a little bit about how that money gets distributed, but gee, it's all post season and late season and health type stuff, which should be able to w- be worked pretty pretty quick, I reckon. But something's holding things up. Have you got any great memories of last year? Uh, yeah, we've got multiple. You know, our performance down in um, Magic Round in Brisbane. Um, we played the Tigers, played some really good footy, scored a couple of really nice tries. Uh, performance in Darwin was, was strong. Um, you know, that game against Cronulla in the semi final, and just the week, I guess, leading into our prelim final. You know, I know we fell short there, but, you know, the town um, throughout the last two to three months of the competition, you know, really got behind us and um, that's what I, I really enjoyed the most, just seeing what it meant to everyone in our town, in our region and um, the pride that, you know, we put back in the town. So it was really good. Yeah, there's no Fantastic. place like Townsville when the, the Cowboys are firing. It's, oh, uh, yeah, even it's, just playing. Yeah, it's great to be part of Palmer Street. Hey, Todd, really appreciate your time today. I know uh, you're a very busy man getting a football team ready for a, a big, big season, uh, and we love having a chat to you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Todd. No worries. Thanks for having me. Cowboys coach there. Um, he's, uh, I don't know, I just there's something about him I really like. Yeah. I like chatting to him. I like listening to him. And uh, it's completely different. I mean, we all said, and we were probably part of the bandwagon last year, well, you know, we've got them in our bottom half. We certainly didn't see them making finals. So many of the pundits said it was going to be Wooden Spoon, and yet he got them to a preliminary final. They were a little unlucky in the prelim final, and uh, they're saying they could go further this year. And, of course, he went on to win the Dallium Coach of the Year. He's genuine. uh, Yeah. Isn't he? Yeah. He, he, and and yet it's not all about it's not hard 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 all the time. Mm. He appreciates they got to put up with that, and I'm going to have to give him a little bit here. Can't no lag time on the field. We've got to get them off in an hour, and then I'm going to flog them next week. <laughs> 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 and and yet he's still got really really strong happy memories. Real good. And we're about to chat to our greatest Socceroos coach. Yes, yes, we had him on before the World Cup, and he was so generous with his time and. He's had a little bit of time away to relax and recuperate after some of the most pressurised times of his career. Uh, Graham Arnold, just a, a privilege to have you on the show. Thanks thanks very much for joining us, mate. No, no problem, guys. How are you? We're, we're very well and we're even happier that you've decided to stay on until after the next World Cup in 2026. Yeah, look, uh, it was, uh, yeah, at the end after the World Cup, obviously, it was... Uh, Retiring and, and that, I got away and uh, I was able to have a good break and probably for the first time in 
a very, very long time. I, I didn't have to think about players or staff or yep. planning or preparation. And you know, I was able to relax for a couple of months and uh, had a good uh, time to uh, you know, clear the brain and clear the head. And, uh, you know, my heart is always green and gold. And I just feel that uh, and felt that I, I wasn't finished yet. You know, there's more to come. And, uh, you know, with the group of boys that we brought through. So uh, it was quite an easy decision in the end to stay on. Yeah, you, you've handled it beautifully. You didn't talk prematurely. What part of the world did you holiday in, Graham, uh, after that World Cup? I probably chose the worst place to go at the time. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was England during winter. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it gave me time. The best part of it was I could watch a World Cup, uh, finish watching the World Cup at a, a good time of, of night, uh, you know, in the afternoon and... and uh, yeah, and it was it was dark all the time, so I got plenty of sleep. So it was uh, it wasn't too bad overall. It served its purpose. I was thinking, I was thinking to myself, I, I want some of that because you that that exhaustion <laughs> you talk about after the World Cup, after a, such a brutal campaign, and now you're back. Like <laughs> it's unbelievable that that venue, England did a, did a great job, mate. And you're taking on a wider role than than you had in the recent campaign as well. Yeah. Yeah, look, Hills. Uh, I thought to myself, you know, obviously, uh, I had some offers, and uh, you know, and a couple of good offers, uh, and offers to go coach other nations in Asia. And as I said, I just want to help Australian kids, and I want to help the Australian game. And uh, you know, I just felt that, uh, as I said, with the with the Socceroos team and group, I believe that we're only at about sixty percent of mm-hmm. where we'll end up because of all the kids that I brought through. Uh, but I also, you know, I just haven't signed up to coach the Socceroos because I, you know, I'm not one to sit around and just wait for those games. I want to do more. And, and I sat down with James Johnson and, and, the, and the FA and said, look, if I stay on, I'd like to have a role in, you know, being a mentor for the junior national team coaches, which uh, is, is, you know, about their planning, their preparation and how they're dealing with, you know, the, these type of tournaments uh, to qualify the Junior World Cups is it's crucial for a player's career and uh, it puts them on the on the world stage and it gives them the opportunity to fulfil their dreams in their life. And and then the other thing I want to do is, uh, whether this sounds good or not, but, uh, you know, it's crazy. I've been around the national team for 40 years and we've never had a home of football yeah. uh, for the nation. And uh, it's just crazy because, you know, people talk about the way, you know, football's chaotic at grassroots and, and the pathways and that, but, you know, as I've said before, is how do you have a, a culture when you don't have a home? And uh, we've been homeless for, you know, 40 years that I've been around. That's, you know, working within the organisation, I've been, you know, again, while I've been around, we've probably changed offices 10 times. Mm. Uh, we, we don't have any training fields. All the people that work in the office who work for Football Australia, you know, they don't get the feel of working for a football uh, working for football when they can't even go and watch it, you know. And so we we haven't had a any anywhere where we can call home. And uh, you know, if you look all around the world, and I've spent a lot of time in the Middle East, the facilities that they build and they have in Asia compared to us is is tenfold. And it's all government that's helped them. And we need the Australian government to step up. And you know, we are the highest participated sport at the grassroots level. We've got these kids that. Uh, I believe that have got you know great quality, great talent, but they get to a stage where you know the pathways stop, 
and we've got to fix that to uh, help the kids fulfil their dreams. Mm. Football head office now is it in Sydney? And would that be yeah, would that be where that your favoured uh, location for a football home would be? Wherever 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 the government will help. You know, it might be too hard to build here in Sydney because, you know, the population side of it and that. But, uh, you know, even if it's it's somewhere where the government will help because uh, football's the most important thing. It shouldn't be, you know, the actual location. But, you know, you've got here, everywhere in Australia, AFL clubs have got incredible training facilities and stadiums. You know, uh, NRL, uh, West Tigers just built a $70 million training facility here in Concord in Sydney. Yep. Yet football has nothing, mm. and uh, it's you know it's yep you know and I'm not being this way, but you can have the politicians and that they uh, or the governments you know reach out during the World Cup and telling us how proud we are of uh, how proud the nation is of what we're doing and you know everyone loves football in Australia and the fans are right behind. Okay, well then show us. Yeah, good call. And, yeah. and give us something because because you know it's it's important for. It's just important for the for the kids for their lives, you know. You know, every every kid has, when he's born and, and can have the talent. It's about giving the kids the opportunity to get that talent out of them and, and let them fulfil their dreams. Yeah, that's a it's a brilliant vision. I'm, I'm certain I've got to sit down and listen to you. Surely, I mean, you're there long term now. You've committed. You need a bit of commitment from uh, yeah. our politicians. Hey, just from a football fan, mate, um, mm-hmm. you lost to Argentina, and we know, and they went on to win the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Those scenes in Argentina with, with Messi coming home, uh, I don't mm-hmm. think I've seen a lot like it in sport, to tell you the truth. No. And, 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 you know, if there's one thing that sticks with me about, you know, the World Cup, obviously, is uh, we gave them two goals. They didn't. They didn't score them on their own merit, and yeah. well, their own brilliant. We we handed them the two goals, and uh, to lose that way, and uh, you know, had the chances that we had at the end to to actually do something. Because again, as a football fan, you know, they they shut up shop. Fiftieth, fifty-fifth minute, they brought Martinez on and plays at Man United, and uh, they went to five at the back to try and just stop, you know, play out the game. And I felt, because they played two days before like we did, but they played in an unair-conditioned stadium, oh. and they were cooked. They were cooked. And if we, had, if we had got that extra time, I think I honestly believe we could have won that game. Mm. And, uh, but, you know, those, those uh, scenes were just incredible. And it was like, honestly, it was like the, the stars were aligned for Lionel Messi to, to, to win that World Cup. Everything just seemed to bounce and go their way. And uh, full credit to them because, uh, you know, obviously Messi's uh, one of the greatest of all times, but uh, uh, full credit to Argentina. They, they, they played superbly yeah. in the whole tournament. And what about for your Socceroos and from your Socceroos, the, uh, share with our listeners some personalities that really emerged from the squad you selected. Yeah, look, I think uh, the young ones that uh, really stepped up, um, you know, there was obviously some as always is some criticism around picking Harry Sutter at the start because, um, you know, he came off the back of an ACL injury. He hadn't he'd played three games in 12 months uh, in Kai Rolls. But when you know the mindset of certain people, and, uh, and obviously I know Harry, it wouldn't have mattered if he didn't play one game because he's just got that mindset that he removes every type of excuse possible. And it's all about the, the moment and the time. And, uh, I thought he was he was outstanding. I thought he showed 
potential captaincy leadership uh, for the future. Kai Rolls was uh, exceptional next to him. So we had two young boys there. And the senior boys that really, over the campaign, he also stepped up as leaders. Mm. Uh, and Matty Ryan, as his Bage, and Matthew Leckie, I thought, were really outstanding as well. And, uh, um, you know, I couldn't have been more proud of, of, of the way they performed. And as I said to them since uh, in the last, over the last week, you know, you, that's your standard that you've shown. That's that's the least I expect now. And uh, one step at a time, we move forward. And uh, it's all about, the, you know, the next uh, <clears throat> the next campaign. What we've done in the past is, is history. It's over. It's about creating more history and moving forward. And uh, it all starts today. Arnie, you don't get reappointed without some consultation with the players. Obviously, they were part yeah. of this process. Mate, it's clear that they are behind you, you know, to use the cliche, 110%. So yeah. that must give you a, a, a deal of, of ease as you approach this next phase. Yeah, well, you know, that's a funny, that's the thing these days about coaching. I didn't, I actually didn't know they had a review with the players, but <laughs> it wouldn't have, it wouldn't surprise me because that's how things are these days. And I think uh, uh, cricket is uh, a perfect example with that. Yes. But, uh, um, you know, coaching these days, especially uh, at international level anyway, but uh, coaching these days has changed a lot. It's, it's, it's more like you can't be a dictator. You can't be someone who's hard on them. You have to be more of a father figure and uh, understand their personal lives uh, and understand how they're feeling and, and making sure that you know their brain's clear and they have no... No personal issues because if they do, that'll affect their, pro- their their professional side of things. So, you know, it's about communication, and, and the big part of communicating is listening and listening to how they are. And uh, you know, we built this over the four years. We built this great family culture that I believe has always been why you're successful when you you've got mateship and brotherhood in the in the dressing room and uh, being there for each other. And it's not about the individual; it's about the team and the family and uh, you know, so, uh, you know, building those relationships with the players and, look, no doubt I had to make some hard decisions and left some players out of the World Cup and, you know, as I said, yesterday's a, a new day and we start a clean sheet of paper for the next campaign and I'll have to rebuild some of those relationships uh, over the next month and uh, we move forward. So, yeah, it's, a, it's about just being there to help the players. Yeah, they'll respect that too. They'll respect that the gate's not shut on them. Yeah. We can't wait, and, and we know your time is at a premium this morning. You're doing interviews all over the country, probably all over the world, yeah. but we just wanted to add our, our word of congratulations and, and thank you to you for giving us and our listeners time as well. You're always so generous. Graham Arnold, uh, congrats on what happened at the World Cup. It was fantastic, and, uh, and congrats on your future locked in with the Socceroos and Australian football. Now on Breakfast with Pat and Heels, Heels gets his gloves off. Yeah, Paddy, I talked just before the break that the Big Bash is quality again. Now, can you imagine the BCCI, that's the Board of Control for Cricket India, staging their IPL without the Indian star players? Of course not. For much of 12 years, that's what Australia has done, and the Big Bash has survived. However, everyone now feels the real value of having our nation's best players playing and mentoring at this level. It's it's just it takes it to another um, another league. It must become a priority of our summer 
So clearing January for what, what we're all witnessing currently and what Steve Smith and David Warner put into this comp of recent times and, of course, having Finchie uh, for the Renegades more full-time, everyone now feels how important it should be. Good luck, Cricket Australia, getting this right because it's a very complicated web, the Future Tours program, and to clear a month like that will take some, some uh, real agenda items uh, moved around. So some issues, though. So getting around the country a little bit during uh, this heat season, um, I've been able to talk to a lot of people and, and the issues that are lingering around the comp need some attention and uh, they, they are that the talent spread isn't that even. The Scorchers and Sixers have dominated this competition for way too long and that that is a criticism of the comp. Uh, I think it's a little unfair, but they've got more top players squeezed into a salary cap than everyone else. And a lot of players don't play every match. So there's a lot of missed opportunities for players because they just want to hang with their, their franchise. For the Scorchers to still be so dominant with the likes of Mitch Marsh and Jai Richardson missing most of the seasons, it, they, they've got an incredible depth and that they're allowed to keep and somehow that they're doing it. So that talent spread could be looked at to see if they really want to level out this comp and make it even better. Um, we don't want good players missing opportunities. Plenty of players refuse to enter an auction or a draft in case they have to play for a, another team. Mm. You know, they just they only want to play for the one team that they choose to play for. So that's that, you know, is something that may be looked at. Um, the third one is rather than pay for one off Australian stars to play for their favourite teams, all top players could be part of a flat fee. They could be paid that flat fee by Cricket Australia. And then the franchise, if you get to use them over more than that flat fee on any given year, you then pay them up and you would pay that part of their contract. But uh, they may need to, the franchise may need a hand to keep the best players on their books. Uh, overseas players still rate the Big Bash's quality, um, but the money is lightish. I don't think there's any more dough, so we need to sell the other strong points very, very well. Travelling around, playing on world-class venues is a strong point. The facilities to train and live in are a strong point. And travelling around Australia, getting great learning uh, opportunities on how to play cricket in a different country and a, and a challenging country is, is a great um, draw card uh, for international players. So that needs to be sold. Congratulations to Alison Dobson and your team. Um, it's back on track but we still have some work to do and things to be aware of. To our listeners, have you enjoyed the comp? Are you enjoying the comp? Have you some ideas maybe to further improve things and maybe some things you don't like still? So 13, 13, 55, let's talk Big Bash at some stage. So with its resurgence, and there has been, both in, in popularity, in crowds, and you'd notice that as, as chair of the heat and in TV ratings. Do we keep it at the same schedule or do we tighten it? What do you reckon? Uh, I think maybe tighten a little because it seems to be so – there's so much happening towards the back end of it, whereas it, 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 it starts off at a leisurely stroll almost mm -hmm. and, and you're at a flat-out sprint towards the back end. And this is what these players are feeling now. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, tra lot of uh, travel involved yeah. and, and not so much training because they, they have the rest. Um, so, yeah, I, 
I'm with you. They got in trouble. They went from seven games to eight games to ten games to 14 games. They didn't try 12. So I'd like on the way back down this year, just trim it to 12. Go from 14, not to 10, but to 12 and see how that feels. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. uh, The the players are playing every three nights in a different venue uh, at the end of the tournament, but once a week with five-day gaps at times at the start of the tournament. We could level it out a bit. Well, we spoke to Wade Second, but you know he doesn't really get the time. If someone is in a little bit of a slump with the bowling, batting, feeling, whatever, he and he and the coaching team are not really getting a, a chance to work with them because they're either in the air or getting ready to play. But he did speak yesterday, Wade Second, on losing the Test players and obviously losing the likes of Usman and 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 Marnus and and Renners and and of course Mitch Swepson, who will go with this Test squad to India. All four of them are now out of the heat side and they await this knockout match against the Sixers on Thursday night in Sydney. We've lost some, some of our Australian players, but um, the other guys that we're bringing in uh, have played the format before, um, so I don't have a, a, a problem with that. And they've performed when they've come in. So, yeah, disappointing to lose those guys, but they're off to India, and now we've got opportunity for the other guys coming in. Yeah, they have performed, our, our fellas. Uh, Nathan McSweeney, uh, Max Bryant, they, they've been quite promising this year. Sam Haslett might have to come back into the team uh, and that's a hard gig because he hasn't played at all mm. um, this year. So, but he's done it in previous years. So, yeah, I, th- I think uh, to play 14 games, I thought the other night in the dressing room, you know, 14 games. That is a- And Matt Short spoke last night at the awards night. It's been a long season. Mm. And I'm thinking, hang on, that was only six weeks. But 14 games in six weeks is probably a lot with a lot of travel. And uh, maybe it's maybe verging on seven weeks. Uh, because the 26 games of the NRL goes for four months. So it, it's a it's a solid gig. So, yeah, I'd like to just trim it a touch this year. Yeah, well, and you yeah. don't have to touch it at all. And then the following year, on see what 10 feels like. Well, you've got a bit of support here. Spot on heels. The Big Bash is an amazing product. It's far greater than any international touring side bar India or England. It deserves to be number one priority. Mm. Uh, there's support there. Uh, well, I think the quality is better than India. You, you know, the, mm. because the in, all the Indian teams, w- which is a great thing, this, they have to pick a certain number of rookies and no. they, they panic. They panic and bowl badly and drop catches. and <laughs> so, so there's not as much of that panic going on in the Australian Big Bash. Mm. But, uh, yeah, the, you know, as far as India, it's, it's got, the, got the numbers of eyeballs. Apart they? from someone all out for 15. We got a bit of that, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, that? They made the finals. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, Kazi, what channel is the Big Bash on uh, as I mainly watch 9 and 7? Well, 7 have got the Big Bash and uh, Fox. and uh, haven't seen much advertising. Uh, we, we, well, channel, what no, I say, we have retired no, from agree, Channel Kaz. 7. Uh, I agree, I agree. I, whenever I've turned 7 on, it's not on 7. It must be on 7 Mate or 7 2 or something, but the, the news is still on. When Yeah. You know, it's, so I, I think we could be given a few more directions by 7 mm-hmm. as to where we're watching it. Super Bowl 57, the matchup was confirmed yesterday with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philly Eagles heading to the big dance. Now, barring injury, Australia's Jordan Malata and Aaron Sipos will play in the Super Bowl, joining Ben Graham and Mitch Wisnowski as the only Aussies to play Super Bowl. Now, Jesse Williams, you say Jesse Williams heels, I heard you say that. Did. Won a Super Bowl ring but didn't actually take part in the game. And, of course, you've got brothers Jason and Travis Kelsey uh, will become the first siblings to play each other in a Super Bowl. We need to know about it because we don't know enough about it. Phil Murphy knows all about it from uh, ESPN, and uh, we've got him on the line. Phil, thanks for joining us this morning. 
Uh, no, always great to chat to you. It is the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> uh, somebody who follows and covers American sports. So I'm, I'm always happy to talk about it. What well, did you make of yesterday? Uh, San Francisco, they looked, they seemed gallant, but kept getting injured and the, the Eagles seemed hungry. Yeah, I mean, that, that was the case with San Francisco. We really found out how deep they could go on the quarterback depth chart before there were problems, and it apparently is the guy who was fourth in line. Yeah. Uh, the guy, Brock Purdy, who came in, was a rookie, last pick of the draft, a, a terrific Cinderella story, but even he had been protected somewhat schematically for San Francisco. They were, they were giving him a playbook that was digestible for him. To his credit, he played beyond expectation, but – they also made it so it was a, a situation in which he could succeed. When he went down with an injury to his throwing shoulder, San Francisco turned to Josh Johnson, a guy who has been on 14 different NFL rosters. So whatever, whatever Cinderella story we had with Brock Purdy, it had gotten exponentially more, I guess, Hollywood style if, if there would have been a comeback to be made. But they were playing arguably the best team in the NFL, and we'll find out in, what, 12 days' time if that's the case in the Philadelphia Eagles and, and Philly showed no mercy. And they, they put their weight on their offensive line anchored by Jordan Mailata out of Sydney and, and really blew that game open in the second half, which they did the previous week to the giants. They're the first team in NFL playoff history to score 30 or more in back-to-back weeks, whilst allowing fewer than 10 points in both of those games. Other side was the game of the day, the Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow rivalry, getting its latest chapter and latest iteration Came down to the final seconds, a tie game. Patrick Mahomes hit out of bounds, which put Kansas City into field goal range, a 15-yard personal foul penalty. Kick made by Harrison Butker, and the Chiefs get vengeance for last year when the Bengals came into Arrowhead and got a win. A punch their Super Bowl ticket. Kansas City got the three-point win to the good, so it'll be Eagles-Chiefs in, what, 12, or I guess 13 days' time uh-huh. in Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, it is. Now, I, I think for those who just follow in Australia, uh, all the focus is going to be on the Eagles because of Jordan Mylata. He's, he's an incredible story. Now, the, the more we read about him today, in 2017, he was making five grand, $5,000 as a reserve-grade player with South Rabbitohs in the NRL. Now, we're not quite sure what his contract's worth, but it's, <laughs> it's 60 or $70 million, isn't it? It is, yeah. So the the math is you just multiply that times, I don't know, I guess, what, 1.4? We could go on online and figure out the exact conversion rate for the day, but it, it, it it's north of uh, $90 million, probably pushing $100 million uh, Australian dollars over the life of the deal, which is, I mean, staggering. And when he told his parents that he had signed this contract, <laughs> and he, I think he said it was something in the neighborhood of, oh, yeah, it's four years for 60, they thought thousand. They were like, yeah, oh, I guess, right. you know, four years, 60,000 a year. He's like, no, 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 four years, 60 million for the life of the deal. I mean, life-changing money. But this is exactly what the NFL wanted when they put in place the International Pathway Program. It was to go all over the world, find people who were terrific athletic talents but needed some American gridiron football code refinement. So what they did is they set up the International Pathway Program. They put these young men uh, at IMG Academy and had them be year-round students of football. Then they assigned them to a practice squad saying that this guy's a protected spot on the roster. He's an additional roster spot. He cannot play in a game for his first season. This is purely developmental. He's practicing with the team. Jordan was one of those guys. And just through work and determination and, and a great sporting mind and obviously a terrific athletic frame, put himself to a position not just on the Eagles offensive line, but 
at left tackle, which is the most coveted offensive line spot with a salary to show for it. It shows a lot of, of credit to Philadelphia and the work they put in to develop Jordan and obviously the work he's put in. And he's now become a poster child for the NFL for this path, pathway program the world over. And now if you look at the current crop of international pathway players, you have a few guys, some of whom have AFL backgrounds, but they're not punters. They're tight ends and an offensive linemen. Mm. So the, the Australian pipeline is getting wider to the United States. I believe there are four Aussies and Kiwis in the current pathway class that was just announced that has only arrived at IMG in Florida in the last week. So Jordan is the latest, but not the last of uh, Australian faces to know outside of the, the number of punters who have come in the NFL and had success. Mm, it's such a heartwarming story too. Uh, his earnings compared to where his parents uh, had to work so hard to, to get anywhere. It, it's brilliant. But has he got a job? Is this left tackle a job which gets you noticed on your bad days rather than your good days? <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's it's exactly that. It's a position at which if you don't do your job, if you think about how a quarterback tr- throws a football traditionally in the American space, he, he's not squared to the offensive line. He turns his back to that left side. So you need your, your biggest, best, most skilled blocker on mm. that left side because if that guy's beaten, you don't have a, a line of vision toward an oncoming pass rusher, and that's less than a second that you would have to realize that you're going to get sacked. And we've seen many a quarterback – uh, you know, knocked out of games or suffer injury because they were hit blind side. They call it protecting the blind side. And when Jordan came up, that wasn't his initial position, but through his development, the Phillies proven they can trust him over there. He has some experience at right tackle as well, but I, I obviously they're confident enough in him and it's paid off. I mean, mm. they, they were the best team in terms of record in the NFL this season. And here they are one win from him, you know, bringing a, bringing a Super Bowl ring back to Sydney. It was a really beautiful sight on the field post game. He was there, and he had a loved one near nearby, and you can, he was just in tears, kind of yeah. taking in the moment. Uh, and it's amazing for somebody who, you know, when he was a little boy, th- this wasn't even on the radar of a dream to have. This dream kind of materialized out of nothing, and he's realized it and then some. And I can only imagine what the tears will be like if uh, if Philly gets one more win. But standing between he and that is a guy named Patrick Mahomes who's keen on uh, adding to his CV and getting some more Super Bowl hardware, which he won just a few years ago. Yeah. Hey, Phil, just quickly, um, we got a, one of our listeners here. Can you ask, Phil, why one of the Chiefs' leaders was so angry with the Ben Gould's franchise after the game during his presentation acceptance speech? There, there was a, a fair deal of nastiness between these two sides, wasn't there? There was. The, the mayor of Cincinnati posted on social media a video saying that he wanted to have a paternity taste test taken because Joe Burrow, he said, was uh, Patrick Mahomes' father because Burrow had, was 3-0 and in his career against the Chiefs. And some Cincinnati uh, pundits and, and you know analysts and entertainers coined the Chiefs stadium, which is normally Arrowhead, they were calling it Burrowhead. So Travis <laughs> Kelsey, one of the two brothers in the game, a big personality, he and, his, he and his brother actually host a podcast, which we're all waiting on, on how that's going to go this week now that they're playing each other in the Super Bowl. Travis Kelsey took the mic more than comfortable on the mic and uh, in, in a promo suited for WWE, which had some colorful language, which I'll, which I'll edit out, said, uh, you know, Burrowhead, my, my backside, this is Arrowhead, <laughs> this is the Chiefs, this is Mahomes' house, get out of here. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that's what all that was built up. In. And, I mean, 
yeah, it was all in good fun during the week. But, um, you know, if you talk trash and you, and you don't cash it, then, yeah, you, you got you to gotta wear it. And all of Cincinnati Ward as well. And the Cincinnati mayor got on social media and said, yeah, guys, that's, uh, that's partially my fault for that. Sorry for stirring the pot. <laughs> Just partially. <laughs> oh. All right, Phil, thanks very much. I, 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 we'd love to catch up before the game itself in about two weeks' time. But uh, uh, your insights are just brilliant as usual. Thank you, mate. Thanks, Phil. Thanks. Thanks so much. We'll chat soon. I I think we might have that uh, Travis Kelsey uh, little bit of audio talking about the Cincinnati mayor. Hey, I got some wise words for that Cincinnati mayor. Know your role and shut your mouth, you jabroni. Matty Bay played a big part in those four decades. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't spoken to him for a while, but it's always a joy to uh, speak to him. One of the great characters of football in this state. And he, he had a leading role, premiership winning coach, played for Australia. But he's doing it a bit tough at the moment. And we just thought of get him on the show and say good day and just see how he's going. Um, devastating fire out at his Logan business. Ross Strudwick, uh, a very good morning to you, mate. Good morning, Pat. How are you going? Well, I'm um, better than you, sadly, mate, because it's been a tough few days. I saw you on the news the other night and you were fighting back tears. This is just devastating. Mate, that, it was like losing my bloody grand final, mate. <laughs> yeah, um, that 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 factory, Struddy. What what did you yeah. use? What did you use it for? That was that was our manufacturing plant. One of our one of our plans, uh, which we, you know, after the uh, Libby Games was handed to Queensland, um, we said, right, oh, we we want to do um, Australian Libby uniforms. So to do that, we've got to do manufacturing, and we're already doing manufacturing, but not to the extent that we needed to. So we upgraded that building and uh, put in oh, about two mils worth of uh, machinery. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> that all went up in smoke. But um, our plan is still to do the Olympic gear. So yeah. we'll be rebuilding and we'll be going for it. Yeah. Oh, good on you, mate. I mean, you, you, I know, talking to Jack, our producer, that you've you know, in the in the cold light of day, you've had a bit of chance to sit down with, with insurers and, and things like that. And so what's the wash-up of what's been a devastating event in your life? Um, well, I, I've just come from around there now, and uh, it's pretty bloody emotional, Pat. I, I'm, I'm a tough little bloke, and I can't stop the bloody tears from rolling. Wow. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of bloody effort over a long period of time, you know, to get it to, to that standard. Um, so, but right now we've, um, you know, I've got, Tremendous staff. It's, staff is great, and the the, the Queensland public, and Australian public, have been just um, you know phenomenal. The amount of phone calls, the amount of text messages, uh, like businesses to ours, uh, they're offering help for us, offering us bloody space in their um, warehouses, uh, you know, so that we can still get gear out and that sort of stuff. Uh, so yesterday was um, sitting down meetings all day and. And trying to work out, um, you know, how we're going to go forward because you know we want to we want to be really, uh, producing gear by Friday or Monday, Friday this week or Monday. You're and, kidding? And, that quickly? Uh, no, we, we we partnered yesterday with a company um, down on the Gold Coast, um, and uh, they've got a very like business to um, to ours, and they reckon they've got production space there for us. So uh, today we'll be sending down sewers down to their factory. Um, the people who run it, you know, are sublimating the team. Virtually half our production team will be heading down there. Um, well, maybe not today, but by tomorrow. And and they have 
they have material like we do, same same material and inks and things like that. And so we've taken up that opportunity. Um, and then we have a, a, another firm, which is uh, they make uh, Australian-made stuff for hospitals and that. Um, they've offered us a whole shed, um, which uh, we, we said we'd, we'd, we'd take a, um, a lease out within, which we're in the process of doing today or tomorrow. Um, and our, the people who um, supply our equipment, um, the, the, the um, sublimators and uh, um, embroidery machines, they're actually lending us gear to get up and running. Um, it, it's just been phenomenal that the help from, from the general public and, and businesses has just been overwhelming. Mm, Strati, um the cause, have they put their finger on what happened? No, no, they haven't yet. Um, I think they have, uh, they've actually stopped looking, yeah. um, so I don't, I don't know. But we asked them what they've actually thought it was, and and they said, you know, we can't get into the building, so we can't actually do that. So mm-hmm. They've had drones into the building, and we're just waiting on the results of those. Um, but no, at this stage, no idea. Yeah. Strutty, you've been. How long have you been in this caper? In the sportswear, sports stores. I mate, mean, forty-eight such a... bloody years, mate. That's it. I've been in it as long as nearly how old I'm. I think I'm only forty-nine anyway. <laughs> and I've been in this forty-eight. Hey, Hill. Hey, Hill. Yep. Question. Yep. Is your daughter more famous than you? Yeah. <laughs> no, my daughter isn't, but my niece is. She, she's oh, your niece. Niece. I yeah. always thought you were a bloody daughter. Well, no, I she's... give you credit for producing the best. <laughs> yeah. And I and I accept that at over time too. I've, I've said, yeah, that, yeah, she's going well. I haven't let on, but yeah, no, yeah it's my my older brother's daughter is Elisa, but yeah, she's she's very oh. famous now. <laughs> she's brilliant, isn't she? I love her. It's thoughts like that that keep me sane. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you still keep your, you know, the, the finger on the pulse of the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not really involved too much with it, except for supplying. Mm. Um, the, the game itself worries me a little bit. You know, bloody scrums are a problem, and bloody uh, going back to those cameras to see if someone threw a forward pass or flick someone in the eye or something like that. I think all that's. Uh, taking a lot out of the game. And would you might have an opinion on uh, your thoughts on how the Dolphins will introduce themselves to the NRL? Um, well, I think Wayne's, Wayne's done a, a, a good job in his recruitment. Um, I know when uh, most new sides come in, they finish up with a whole bunch of old blokes who um, you know, can't get contracts elsewhere, so they, they go to the new guy. Yep. Um, well, he, he's got a couple of um, old guys there. Uh, from Melbourne, who are bloody good footballers still. Yes. Um, and his recruitment is, is a lot of the young blokes who are going to be stars in the future. So even if they don't kick off so well, you know, early in, in this year, I, I think he can build a, a bloody strong unit there with, with his signings. Hey, you've, you've yeah. seen it from all angles. What about Kevy? I mean, the pressure now on the man who is the Broncos coach, regardless of who it is, is enormous, isn't it? He, he lives in a harsh spotlight. Oh, mate, I feel sorry for him. Mm. I'm absolutely, absolutely sorry for him because Kevin and, and, and bloody Alfie and those boys, I mean, they're just lovely people. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how he's going to get them out of it. You know, 
he, he got rid of some players. I thought he should have got rid of it. I think he there was one more there he should have got rid of that he hasn't. Um, no, I think that's half his problem. So it's like halfway through the year that they were bloody coming back as a bloody uh, yeah. premiership contenders. Exactly and right. Then they, they, then they seem to have trouble inside the club. And you know, you, you, once that happens, once the players start talking negative. Um, you can't win anything, doesn't matter what sport it is. Yeah, good call. Uh, right. Now, Strutty, have you, just to, uh, before we go, have you, have you got a, a good report on the insurers and an insurance story for people? Um, yeah, I'd say um, AJ Gallagher's would be the best brokers, business uh, insurance brokers you could go to. Uh, they've been absolutely fantastic. Um, they stood there and watched the thing burn with us on Sunday, so they got, they got out of bed or church or wherever they were, and uh, they were at the scene with us. Uh, the fire brigade, the, um, the I can't I, I can't give them that much too much praise, but they were running, they were sweating, no heat. There was a bloke up on one of those bloody crane things. You couldn't see me because the smoke just covered him. Mm. Um, there was twenty fire uh, trucks there, and the, the amount of um, you know, organisation, but they just knew what they were doing and um, the dangerous positions they put themselves in. I, I just want to stood there and watch the birds if I was there, but um, there's some things I don't do. They were absolutely fantastic. The, um, and, and what they've done since the fire in trying to assess it and that sort of stuff, it's, um, you know, they're very personal with us and um, and, you know, kept us in contact and all that. Um, they were absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And for me, it was even better um, because most of them were either ex footballers and half of them were from Bali's, and the rest of them <laughs> were from Curious Surf Club. Yeah, so man. I was having a bloody reunion. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, sad one, mate. You know, some, of them, some of them I hadn't seen for years. Uh, well, you know, you're still. So the, fobs run a good, the, the fobs run a good show, but I run a good fire. <laughs> uh, mate, look, we we feel for you, and I just I, I thought we had to get you on the show just to hopefully lift your spirits a bit. There's a lot of people out there thinking of you, and clearly the industry that you're in have rallied around you, which is just so heartwarming, Strutty. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it, it's absolutely fantastic. We've we've contacted all of our bloody clubs. That's one of the things we did yesterday. We've we've got um, what fifteen reps on the road. Yeah. So we had them all in here yesterday, and they had to ring every single. Um, customer of ours and tell them that hey, um, we, we're in pro, you know in the progress of, of, of partnering with this or or using other people's machinery and all that to we get ours up and running and um, and that, and they've been great and mm. everyone's going to get their gear on time. I can promise you that. That's one thing we do. Awesome, on right, time mate. every time. Yeah, Lee's one of our listeners. I thanks guys for ringing me out too. Hey, and Neil, thanks for that bloody bit of info, mate. I'm going to have to have a look at the cricketers now. Differently now that you're not the dad. Yes. <laughs> it's no, his just niece. let it roll. Let Elisa's it roll. Elisa's his niece. And Lee's been you reckon let it roll? Let it roll as it is? Yeah, yeah. exactly. He's happy to claim. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've got yeah. to let you go, but Lee's been on the line. When I started playing footy at nine, Strudwick's gave me my first boots. I played for North's Tigers at North yeah. Ipswich. Good on you, Lee. Strudwick, we've got to go. We've got to get to the news, mate. Great to chat. All the no best. Worries. All the best, mate. Best of luck, mate. Let's talk a little bit of racing heels and you can strike gold with the Golden Greys Summer Carnival. The Golden Greys Carnival concludes on February 2 with the Group 1 Gold Bullion at Albion Park. Oh, Queensland oh, yeah. is racing. All right, that's yeah. Albion Park. Is yeah. it? You're heading out for that one? No. 
I'm a, the I'm greyhounds. Trying. No, hmm? greyhounds and harness. That's the summer carnival. What about thoroughbreds? Is that over yet? The summer carnival. Well, the Magic Millions is done, but Sam Collett's still busy. Yeah. Yeah, and she's on the line. Morning, Sam. <laughs> Morning, guys. Yes, always busy. No rest for the wicked. No, well, that's always one of my thoughts about you, Sam. You're fitting a lot in, <laughs> I think. You, you track work, riding properly, media. How are you doing it? Oh, I enjoy it. I like my uh, plate to be pretty full. Um, I don't do well sitting around. So, I, you know, the, the more stuff I have on, the better for my mind. And how's it all going? Uh, what what was yeah. your weekend, this one? Yeah, I had a pretty quiet weekend at the Sunshine Coast, to be honest. Just ended up with the four rides and nothing sort of ran ran that well. But things have been ticking along pretty pretty good since. Uh, I've got a busy week ahead. What races, obviously, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday this week. And I've got um, just, I've had track work this morning. I'm just sitting down having a coffee and getting ready for jump out. So, busy. You are busy. Hey, what's the <laughs> chat down there? The nice story today about Tony Gollan, our champion trainer, and he's plotting, you know, uh, plenty of horses hopefully going down down south. Skirt the law with, with a, a slipper, you know, a slipper aim. Uh, he's He's got big raps on this horse, hasn't he? Yeah, he has, and rightfully so. I mean, she was pretty dominant uh, in the millions, and she's done nothing wrong. I mean, I don't know much about the filly herself, but you see her demeanour getting around. She looks like a horse that, like Tony said, she's just kept improving, and you can see that in the way she gets about. You know, some young horses, they can get pretty worked up. You know, the occasion gets them, but she looked like an old hand, like she's done it, you know, her whole career, and um, that's probably the ideal sort of filly horse you want to be taken down for a race like that. She's obviously, you'd like to think she's going to travel well and, and race well too. And I see with the jump outs today, Baller and Zoo Style will be uh, jumping out in preparation for their little raid down south. Yeah, it'll be good to see. Obviously, we've had a bit of rain here overnight, so hopefully that doesn't... Um, obviously, they're just going to probably have a bit of quiet hoop around, but uh, ideal conditions would have been nice, I'm sure, for Tony, but it's exciting for him. You know, he's obviously had a fair bit of success heading down there before, and he's got a nice team to send down there this time too. Uh, Sam, you know in track work, what's the what's the longest a horse would work for in in track work? In terms of like distance wise, you mean? Yeah, or minutes? Does you know? Is it like do they work for about ten minutes each? What do they do? Yeah, I guess so. It depends on the trainer. Um, say for example, most of my mornings first up, I ride for Chris Munts, and his horses will probably go straight out and work like fast work over a lap they might go he does a lot of sort of five and two which is like a thousand meters at three quarter pace which is 15 seconds of furlong roughly and then the last sort of two furlongs or 400 meters they might work up and you know 12 seconds depending depends how far they're going uh, we've got the likes of annabelle nisham who likes to do a little bit more warm-up with her horses i guess you'd say she likes to go and use the ball ring there which they go and walk and then they'll trot a couple of laps and then they'll go and do their work so obviously therefore they're probably working a little bit longer mm-hmm. not doing as much of course but those horses that are racing over a bit further distances too they might look to run you know seven furlongs in their work um, and then you know they you want your horses to be working strong to the line so it all just depends, I guess, on yeah. you know what their target distance is. Yeah. Oh, well, well explained, that. That's very good. And then jump outs. <laughs> how, how far do you go? Is it just getting out of the barriers? And how, how far do you you run on? Well, they have jump outs from anywhere from sort of six hundred metres up to twelve hundred metres. So you're obviously trainers will be nominating their horses to a preferred distance 
in relevance to their fitness as well. So there are some horses I might ride today that, you know, they're having their first bit of serious work, jump out from the barriers. They might just be having an easy time. So trainers or people just jump them out, you know, let them travel on the bridle. Some horses might be looking to, you know, get a, gain a bit more fitness. So you've got to just ask them to do a little bit more. So it'll just it's all relevant to you know what their stage is at their preparation and, and all that kind of thing oh geez you learn a lot in your apprenticeship Paddy, don't you? <laughs> See, there you go Sam. There's there's me, there's i've been around a while i've learned a lot yeah, yeah. and You're, you teach uh, it well too yeah heels is here just he's fascinated by all this i i, I remember it and i Would see I be I, the fattest apprentice has ever been <laughs> yeah, you, yeah you won't be allowed to ride track work <laughs> you'll be allowed to go out and watch track work and jump out clean, so, up, clean up i remember a winter carnival a long long time ago i went out with a cameraman that had no idea about racing. I think um, it might have been Scalacci. And Scalacci was doing its Tuesday trial before a Stradbroke or something like that. And we pointed him out. It's not hard to miss Scalacci. Uh, the cameraman missed him. It is hard to miss. Yeah. Yeah, and, right. And he, yeah. He, said to, he said to the jockeys, the jockey was, was coming back on Scalacci, said, hey, mate, any chance you could take that horse around one more time? I missed him <laughs> oh, coming up the trailer. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> what a guy. Uh, can you imagine what sort of reaction he got, Sam? Yeah, he probably got the one finger salute, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, there might have been a bit more than that too. Hey, we've, we've got to go. You've got, you've got work. We've got to go to a commercial break. Uh, lovely to catch up as usual. You've been very educational this morning, Samantha mm. Collett. Oh, any time at all, guys. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Good luck this week, Sam. <laughs>